0: Heavenly Father, we uh, stand before you. Um, and Lord, as uh, we look to you, God, we are thankful for the past year, 2018, uh, even through our ups and downs, that you have been the one constant, that you have been faithful to us, even in good times and bad times, that you have sustained us, you have... Preserve us. So we are here in this new year. So Lord, as we look forward to this new year, um, we don't know what's in store for us, but one thing that we know is that you will continue to lead us and guide us. So help us, God, to turn to you and relinquish our uh, desire to control things, acknowledging your sovereignty, and follow you, and love you, and draw closer to you, and speak to us today in Jesus' name. We pray, Amen. Um, you know, as we usher in the new year, um, I just want to uh, continue what we talked about uh, from last week. Uh, for those of you guys who were not here last week, uh, we talked about understanding all of Scripture through the lens of the gospel and through Christ. Really, by Jesus coming to earth 2,000 years ago, it has changed the way we are to interpret the Scripture, how we are to see all of Scripture. However, so I talked about how even starting from the Old Testament, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, how we are to uh, look at it from the lens of the gospel and through uh, the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Now, but this does not mean that every single passage, every single verse has to be about Christ and the gospel. You, know, you may know that I'm all about the gospel, but that doesn't mean that every single passage has to be about Jesus or about the gospel. Because sometimes we can then get carried away and go to the other extreme and we can over-spiritualize things. Um, And over-spiritualizing everything can also lead to some far-fetched interpretation. And we don't want to read into the passage, right? We don't want to read into something that is simply not there in the Word of God. So I just wanted to clarify that. I know because sometimes I kind of come across as, oh, it's about the gospel and everything else is all about it. But, not, uh, But you know, but we have to be careful, right, in saying that, um, that oh, that, that means I have to just somehow just like draw something out of this passage that is simply not there. So we have to watch out for that as we also read through the scripture because that could be also the tendency. And in the beginning, early stages of my understanding of the gospel, I, I tended to do that. I was like, oh, so... This passage, I don't see anything, but there's gotta be something about Jesus. There's something, there's gotta be something about the gospel and then try to just somehow, you know, just make something work. That's not also the right way, right? We have to allow the word of God to speak to us. And we read, uh, seven, uh, eight verses today, but actually from today's, uh, passage, I want to focus on one verse and that is, Verse 14, by the the Holy Spirit, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. This is a charge that Paul gives to his spiritual son, Timothy. What is this good deposit that Paul is talking about? Is he talking about money? That maybe he has some kind of secret stash that he had and then uh, he just kind of just handed it to Timothy so that he could, could take care of it and maybe just earn some interest on that money? No, of course not. Paul is referring to the gospel. By the power of the Holy Spirit, guard the good deposit that has been entrusted to you. And that is also the charge, I believe, that Paul wants to give to all of us. Because every one of us has been entrusted with this good deposit that is the gospel. So the title of my message is, uh, the Keep the Main Thing, the Main Thing. And I'm sure you guys have heard this phrase before, right? The main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. It is of supreme importance. It is the top priority of every Christian to keep the main thing. Obviously, I'm talking about the gospel. The main thing in our Christian life. We are to treasure this. We are to grasp it. We are to embrace it. And we are to hold fast. Hold fast the gospel. The church nowadays is in danger of fumbling the gospel. We are dangerously close to really dropping it all together. You know, when you go to, I don't know if you guys ever get a chance to go to some Christian bookstore. I mean, a lot of bookstores are now closed uh, because of Amazon, I guess, the evil impo- empire. But, um, you know, if you go to, like, some Christian bookstores, I used to go. And I would kind of browse. And there are a lot of books, and Christian books, on um, parenting Financial management, dating, social issues, and how to overcome depression. Um, you know how to cope with stress, and you know a lot of books like that, and which is good. I mean, those are necessary. Those are good and necessary. But in the midst of all that is going on in our lives, we can easily lose sight of the essence and the truth of the gospel, and focus. On the minor things, things that are not really major, things that are not as important. And we can kind of zone in on those kind of things. It's like, um, you know, I've been to the Grand Canyon a couple times. And I remember the first time, I was like, oh, oh my God, the the grand scale, right? And I was just, my jaw just dropped. But then um, the second time, because I've seen it after a few years, um, we went to uh, we went to um, I went to see it with a, the, another mission team and um, but because I've seen it, the first like minute or so, thing I was like, oh my gosh, this is like this is like uh, one of the seven wonders of the world, right? And I get impressed, but then afterwards you're like ah, okay, seen that, right? Been there, and so it didn't really move me. It didn't really inspire me like it used uh, the first time, but it's like almost like. Uh, For somebody, just imagine someone going to the Grand Canyon for the first time, excited to go there, and you drive in and you just park your car. You get out, and before you just get to the the edge where you can see the whole thing, you suddenly notice that there's a dandelion, right? Right by your foot. And you notice that it's like a kind of like interesting color. Wow, look at the color of this dandelion. This is like Pretty cool, and then you just take pictures. You get into the selfies with the the dandelion, and then um, and before you know it, the time passes, and it's like a sunset, and you never get to see the real thing, right? The Grand Canyon, and then you are just there spending hours on taking pictures with dandelion. That's something that we can easily we are led to do in our Christian life, kind of just focusing on the minor things. Of our lives, with all the things going on in our lives, you know, the work, relationships, family matters, all these other chores that we have to tend to, sometimes we can kind of lose focus of the what's really important in our lives. So we need to really tighten the grip of the gospel, our understanding, right? George Orwell, he's the author of 1984 as a book. Uh, maybe some of you guys may not know. But uh, anyways, uh, he said this. The restatement of the obvious is the first duty of an intelligent man. Let me repeat that. The restatement of the obvious is the first duty of an intelligent man. Even though it seems so obvious, uh, I already know this. But to really repeat and to really be reminded constantly is something that an intelligent is to do. And that is what Paul is doing here. He's reminding Timothy, as the, the minister of the gospel, he's heard it many times. Timothy, I'm sure under uh, Paul, I'm sure this day and night, all he probably talked about was the gospel and how the, the, the power of the gospel and all these things. And yet he's saying, once again, I'm going to remind you of this gospel. Hold fast. Embrace it. So the main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. You may roll your eyes now and say to me, Gosh, Pastor Wooden, I mean, again? You're going to be talking about this again? I mean, it's just like coming out of my ears now. Can we just talk about something more interesting, something more novel, something more something more uh, sophisticated. You know, why do we always talk about this? I already know this stuff. But you see, I think for me, this something we have to be reminded constantly. So then, how can we keep the main thing, the main thing? How do we guard this good deposit That's, that has been entrusted to us? How? It's by keeping the gospel personal daily, to keep the gospel personal, make it really personal to us each day. Because our human tendency is to crave for novelty, something different. Right? We have this insatiable appetite for something new all the time, something different. I remember the very first car that I got, uh, my uncle uh, gave me this car, you guys wouldn't know, only passenger may know, it's called Chevette. It's, uh, it's like a really little dinky car, maybe 50 horsepower or something. So even if you just floor it, it barely goes up the, the hill. But you know, it was a used car, and um, and I, there was no, you guys don't know, but back then they didn't even have the power windows. So you have to roll it down the window, roll it up, and that was, it didn't even have AC. So really, just a stripped-down car, but you know, the first time I got it, I was like so happy. I think I was maybe uh, uh like senior in high school. So something like that. And and I was so happy and so excited that I had a car instead of like always hopping on the school bus that I could actually just drive to the parking lot and you know, try to blast the music and then try to let people know that I I I drive a car, you know, and um but you know the the first few like couple of weeks, couple of months, I was so excited to drive, even though it was a beat-up, used car. But after a while, what happens? I start noticing that there are other cars that are bigger, better, newer. I was like, oh, man, I started like kind of complaining. That's what happened. And so I finally got a chance to get a, a brand-new Honda Civic, right? My v- very first uh, new car the first month or so, I was in heaven. I was like, oh, man, this is what, you know, just, and the, you know how, like, you walk in it, uh, you just enter, and then you, they smell that a new car smell, I was like, you know, I was like, oh, this is so awesome, I love it. Um, so I thought I would be happy forever, but guess what? After a month or so, novelty wears off, right? And then I noticed, oh, my gosh, Civic, it's a little dinky car, there are, like, Accords and other better cars out there that I cannot, you know, compete or race against them, and um, you see, that that happens with us. Whatever, there's something new that we get initially excited, but after a while, we have this been there, done that attitude. And we kind of bring that into our understanding of the gospel. We just quickly grow tired of doing the same thing, hearing the same topic, seeing the same thing. We constantly want something more convenient, more efficient, faster, more sophisticated, And, um, but, um, I think we are just trying, sometimes we bring that into our attitude when it comes to the gospel, right? We, uh, to stay ahead of the game, uh, because we want something new all the time, we kind of put ourselves under pressure to stay relevant, to stay ahead of things, even at work, Right? We always look for innovative ways, new ways to think about different, uh, talk about things, and sometimes that's how we can we we can treat the gospel, right? Constantly change or to innovate ways to like communicate, and that's true. We have to do that. But the thing is, now sometimes we want to hear different things. Ah, uh, you know that's we. Are, I already know this stuff. But the daily challenge before us, once again, is keep the main thing, the main thing. Because of this following daily temptations or the tendencies that that we have. And because we daily face these temptations and tendencies, we can easily lose sight of the gospel and focus on the minor things. So what are the, what are some of these uh, temptations and tendencies? The first thing that I want to bring out to you is, uh, it is the forgetfulness? Forgetfulness. Um, how quickly we forget, right? Many years ago, I was flipping through my old uh, sermon, you know, notes and the, the manuscripts, and I was uh, flipping through, and then saw a bunch of old messages. I know that I've worked on, spent time on, the research done, and I was like, "What? I spoke on this?" What? I talked about this? Well, I, I had no idea that I talked about certain things. Some of the things, that obviously, I cringe. Because, oh my gosh, I wish I had not said that. And some of the things, ooh, this is a good line. Maybe I should use it again. Right? But things, I, I forgot. Even though I spent hours on that, studying and researching. But then many years later, when I look back, I had no idea that I even spoken on this topic. I remember uh, the the very first retreat that I was asked uh, to to preach. I was in the seminary, and then I um, the the youth group they asked me to come and speak, and I was really excited. I was up in uh, Philadelphia, and then the church was down here in Virginia, so you know it's like about three four hour drive to get get down here. I was really excited. I was just working on the message. And then I I was super excited. And then I was like, oh, I got to make sure to just, you know, pack up all my sleeping bag, you know, the change of clothes, toiletry, and all these things. And I was just like so excited. And I was just driving down, right? And when I got home, before I went to the retreat, funny thing happened. Wait a minute. Did I bring my sermon notes? I mean, I prepared everything. And then I looked And sure enough, my worst nightmare came true. I actually like, I brought everything else except the sermon notes that I've worked on, right? So I had to drive back on that night, and it came back down. It was just like crazy things. But you see, like, we are so forgetful of a lot of things, right? My guess is that I'm not the only one who is forgetful. Martin Luther once said, I preach on justification by faith alone every week because we always forget that. You guys, what you hear from me or Pastor Jay, a lot of things you guys already know. It's not like this is some like earth-shattering like brand new things that you ever, you've never heard of. Maybe if it's like something that you've never ever heard of, maybe that's an issue actually because then we may be saying something that is out of what the scripture teaches, right? Because we try to stay uh, faithful to the text and the word of God, right? But you see, the thing is, the reason why we say uh, about the gospel and, and, and the truth of God's word is because we forget. Even though we hear these things, you may agree with me, right, nodding, nodding your head, yeah, that's true, that's right. But the moment you just walk out, right, once you just go home and when you start working from Monday on, guess what's going to happen when all the pressure comes on and then we act as if it doesn't really matter, it's not really true in our lives. And then we forget I don't know how many times I forget that God truly loves me. That I've been really, um, you know, when I feel really ashamed. right? It's because I forget that God has received me just as I am. It's not because I don't know the truth, but I forget the truth. In different situations, in many instances, I forget and I, I act as if I don't know. And 2 Timothy 2 a says that human, basically human memory is notoriously unreliable and fickle, right? You know how, like, sometimes you, I mean, sometimes, you know, when I, you know, kind of have, like, serious conversations with my wife about certain events, past events, we, like, we have totally different take. It's because sometimes our memory doesn't serve us the way it is. And it, it is proven, uh, study. Uh, study has been done, where sometimes we, our brain is hardwired in such a way, sometimes we reconstruct. We kind of add things that weren't that didn't really happen. So even though we are looking at the same uh, past event, but then we said, no, you did this. No, no, you did this. Nuh-uh. And then we just go back and forth. And it's because everybody, to some extent, have add things put different spin to the actual event. So that's what we do. We forget things all the time. The whole history of Israel in the Old Testament, or even throughout human history, for that matter, we forget things. We forget the goodness of God. We forget the truth of God's Word. So why is it important for us to hold fast the gospel? Because, and why do we just talk about this all the time? Until it's coming out of our ears? It's because we forget. Even though we may already know this, but in moments when things come up in your work, when you feel, "Uh uh-oh, and then we forget, and we do things that are contrary to what the Word of God teaches us. We forget that the Gospel is true. And Does God really love me? Does God really listen to me? Am I really saved? Why do we worry? Why do we get stressed out? It's because the bottom line, is because we forget that God is truly in control. And we just do not believe that He is. Because if we truly believe, and if we truly know it constantly, then we shouldn't be stressed. We shouldn't be worrying about what's going to happen in our lives. If we truly believe, if we truly know constantly, but it's because we forget, because we do not believe. So the first, yes, yeah, so that's our daily tendency, because we, we are forgetful. That's why we need to really be reminded of this. And the second thing, second thing is legalism. Yeah, legalism. Because we live in this performance-based society, because this whole world operates on earning merit. Right? We always have to deal with deeply embedded legalistic tendencies. That's how this whole world operates. It's all about earning your way. You got to earn merit to be presentable, right? Ever since we were young, we are just so used that we just breathe legalism, right? We are familiar with it. It is the opposite of grace, it's all about earning it. SAT. How do you prepare for SAT? You better study, and you know you, you basically get. Even though many of us feel like eh, I didn't really get the score that I really wanted or I deserved, right? But more or less, we usually receive the grades that we usually deserve, right? And think about how you get promoted or get pay raise at work. It's because you have to prove, you have to earn it. You don't just nobody's going to come, no boss is going to come to you and just drop it on your leg. Oh, you know, you didn't really do a good job, but you know, I'm going to give you a pay raise. Or, you know, just, yeah, I mean, like, I'll give you promotion. Of course not. You have to prove to your boss, to your company, right, that you are a good worker, you are a valuable asset. You have to earn it. Nobody will give you free lunch. So all our lives, we have to earn it. To get a straight A, you better work hard. To get into a good school, you better study hard. To get a good job, you better really prepare yourself. It's all about earning. So that's all our lives. This whole world operates on this, earning merit. It's a merit-based society. That's why, because that's how we were conditioned to live. That's how we lived all our lives We bring that into our understanding of the scripture. Because legalism is about striving and earning it. Grace is about receiving. Someone defined legalism as seeking to achieve forgiveness from God, justification before God, and acceptance by God through our good works. Let me repeat that. Legalism is... It's defined as seeking to achieve forgiveness from God, justification before God, and acceptance by God through our good works. Because that's how we were raised all our lives. You have to earn it. You have to do good things so that your boss, your teacher, your professor, who have you will accept you or just get, uh, get you the, the grace that you want. You better work for it. No one's going to give you anything. There's no free lunch. In life. So when we come to our understanding of God and the truth in the Christianity, we feel like we have to earn it. We have to do good works. We have to fast. We have to attend church. We have to do this and we have to do that. Good works. Then God will be pleased with it. So we kind of tend, to come to understand God as this really heartless or like really just hard man to please grandfather figure. He's just like folding his arms and say, let's see how what you will do. Let's see how you're going to perform. Let's see if you're going to really earn. Earn it. Earn my approval. Earn my love. And as we try to like, all right, for me, for God to really love me, I have to do this, I have to do that. And then all our lives, we think that's how God would be pleased with us. So that's why we don't really understand grace, the concept of grace. Legalism is our attempt to add our work to the finished work of Christ. It's always Christ plus something. Equals our salvation. It is, uh, the, our, uh, the acceptance from, by God. When I do things. Right? Self-atonement. Legalism is really self, uh, it's really about self-atonement leading to self-salvation and self-glorification. So it's all about, if it is all about earning it, they say, "Oh, look at me, God! I, I got my life together. I am attending church now. Am I not good enough? You should really love me now." So our understanding of God's love and acceptance is conditional, right? It all depends on what I do. It's all about all about me, myself, and I. And that's the essence of religion and it's the essence of legalism. The Pharisees were experts at that, right? That's why they could not accept the grace. Right, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because they were so full of self-righteousness. Oh, th- look at what I did. I mean, all my life I kept the law. I did. I obeyed, obeyed what the word of God said. So I am good enough. I am righteous enough. God should really uh, accept me. God should be pleased with me. Because of all my works. That's legalism. But that's how we so often view our relationship with God the Father. It's all about our works. It's all about me. So this legalism that is so deeply embedded in our lives, it makes us forget, lose sight of the gospel. And it, sometimes it, we're like, I, I don't, I don't deserve to receive this. I remember one time, um, many, many years ago, I was at a youth retreat. Actually, it was our church youth retreat. And then one of our church uh, youth guys, uh, invited a friend. Of his to come to our winter retreat. And then, um, I didn't really get to talk to him. And, um, the last night of the retreat, you know, there was like a prayer time after the message. And then I was just going around praying for people. And then the guy, one of my, the student who brought his friend, he tapped on my shoulder. And then he said, Hey, can you come and talk to my friend? I think he really needs you. So I was like, Okay, he was not part of my, you know, student, so I didn't really think about it. I was like, you know, hopefully he'll get blessed or whatever. But so I went over to him. I sat down with him. Hey, so how you doing? And as soon as he saw me, right, he's like, whoo, right? And it was just like, it, it's not just simple. It's like he was wailing, right? I was like, whoa, I didn't do anything. I just came and see how, 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 he, how he was doing, right? He was just like crying. I was like, okay, so something is not right here. I just waited for him to kind of calm down. And then he started telling me um, that he was, um, so he was 17 at the time, and he kind of once in a while attended Catholic Church, but he was never uh, serious about faith. He just went because his parents kind of made him go. And then he had a 16-year-old girlfriend uh, that he was dating. And then as couple, young people, temptation would, uh, would be there, and so they slept together, and then they found out that, that, uh, that she was pregnant, and they freaked out. Right? I was like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? My pa- our parents do not know, and so he, um, he uh, she wasn't really sure, she didn't know what to do, and he forced her to, uh, you know, to, to abort the baby, so he made her uh, just go to the, the clinic, and she did the abortion. That was three days before the retreat, and then after that, the the overwhelming sense of guilt was so like overbearing and so great that he didn't know what to do, and so that's why he decided to come to the riches to somehow somehow feel better about himself, right? And so I was I was sharing with him the gospel, and you know as uh, as you know devastating as it is, still the gospel tells us. That if you repent, if you own up to your sin and repent, God will forgive you. Right? And he said, no, that can't be. You don't know. I mean, I am just so guilty right now. There is no way God can forgive me. Right? It's because of he, he felt like he had to do something. He had to make uh, just get his life together before he can really present himself before God. Right? That is our tendency so often. We wanna somehow get our life together before we can just stand before God, right? That's what really makes us really lose sight of the gospel. But that is not the, the truth of the, the, truth of the gospel. And the third thing, uh, third tendency or the temptation that really causes us to lose sight of the gospel is our subjectivity. Our subjectivity. You we look at everything that happens to us and around us through the lens of our own perception. Right? And our understanding, I know I sound just like Pastor Jay here, uh, but you know, we, uh, we can look at the same thing, but we can come to a complete different, uh, conclusion. Um, you know, like we recently moved and, you know, Grace, my wife, did some rec- uh, decoration around the house. Um and I said, you know what, she did this, 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 this and this and that, you know, I don't really have that, uh, I to see like the designs and it really doesn't really matter to me so when she said like, oh, what do you think I like, ah, good enough right so, no this is not good enough i mean we had some pictures and decorations and all those things but to me it was like more than enough right it looks great it looks like a new place and like it's our place but to her to her standard it still was there are things that were like no no we need to get this we need to get it. and then we had to kind of just talk about our budget and, and all these things it's because we are looking at the same thing, and yet, but we had a different standard of what is presentable, what is good. What is, it, it, that's what happens with all of us. We are subjective beings. We measure each other with our measuring sticks. Right? We look at somebody, and say, man, he's too boring, or he's like too eccentric, because we are using our own standard. Whatever. So I thought, you know, for the longest time, I thought I was the most normal person. Right. Everybody else was had all these different quirks and weird and different and uh, too rash and blah 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 blah. Until I got married, of course, and that you know Grace put me in the right place, and that I had all these weird quirks that I was weird that that I'm not normal, right? Uh, But we 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 think that we are we measure everything from our own standard, right? But the cross is objective. The gospel is totally outside of us. It's not about how we feel, right? It's not subject to our feelings or how, uh, feelings or our emotions at the time, because it has. It is not something from within us. It is from without us. Martin Lloyd Jones once said, "Have you realized that most of our unhappiness is from listening to yourself rather than talking to yourself?" Right? Think about it for a second. Most of our unhappiness is from listening to ourselves rather than talking to ourselves. Isn't that true? We always hear things in our minds. Oh, you blew it. You did this. How could you call yourself a Christian? Or like, why don't we... You see, But we have to really speak and talk to ourselves. Meaning, remind us of the gospel daily. We have to preach the gospel to ourselves daily because... We have, depending on how we feel, maybe some, some days you just wake up on the wrong side of the bed and then just come, just stand up and I mean, life sucks, right? Or like, man, what am I gonna do? Right? And just, we just kinda get into this like bad mood for some reason. I don't know about you, it happens to me, like, some mornings I wake up and like, the whole world is like, you know, it's like a blessing. Some mornings I wake up and like, man, life stinks. Why am I like even, what am I doing? constantly changing subjective, right? Our subject uh, subjective tendency leads us to lose sight of the gospel because we are so subjective all the time, because we depend on, that, we just look through the lens of our subjective uh, perception that we can lose sight of the gospel and say, oh, I don't know, does God really love me? I don't know, I don't feel like it. And the last one, last tendency or the temptation that we face daily, and as a result, we need to really remind us of the gospel daily, is condemnation. Of course, I don't mean to be exhausted. These are not the only ones, only tendencies or the temptations that we face daily, but these are some major ones that we need to look at. right? Condemnation. When we sin, at least some of them, we feel Condemned. We feel bad. It's an ever-present uh, companion for most of us, if not all of us. We feel guilty. We feel bad. I don't know how many times I struggle as a pastor because so often I feel like I have done enough. I feel like there's always something more that I have to do. It doesn't matter, right? Even though I had a great day. But I wouldn't just pat myself on the back. Wow, you did an amazing job, so you're you're good. You're good for today. You've done your job. I don't think so. Maybe it's an issue that I have to deal with. But I feel like I just didn't do it enough. But when is it ever, when when would it ever end? I had that, I, I, I confess that I had the perfectionist tendency. But still, there's a part of me like, but there's got to be more that needs to be done. There's got to be more that I have to do. Right? And I always feel condemned, feel bad and guilty. Right? And we also, do we we not hear the enemies whisper in our ears, you're not good enough. You're not gonna really amount to much. You're not gonna really make any difference at work, in your Christian life, at church, what have you. (coughs) But the scripture, First uh, John three eighteen through twenty one, tells us that God is really greater than our heart. I don't know if you have it. Probably not. Um, let me just uh, turn to that passage and then just uh, share it with us. I don't want to keep saying, "Oh, the Bible says this." But um, so, First John chapter three, verse eighteen, says this. <clears throat> Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before Him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and He knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Our heart, enemy, the devil, our flesh, the world constantly condemns us that we are not good enough. Right? But scripture here says that God is greater than our heart. God is greater than any sense of guilt or sense of condemnation that we have. When we sin, guess what? We are only aware of our own sin. Oh, I did this. Oh, I shouldn't have done it. right? And we only are aware of what we didn't do or what we should have done but God is aware of everything beyond our sin. Right? He's aware of the promise that he has made to us to forgive our sins. If we repent, if we come before him in humility and ask God for forgiveness, that God is aware of the promise. And yet the enemy kind of comes, no, you blew it. And they focus only on the sin and they make us feel miserable and stop it at that. But that is not the gospel. Yes, the gospel has to start from the fact that, that we are sinners. But it goes beyond. Because that's where the enemy wants you to stop and just live in, the, live in that sin. Feeling miserable, hopeless. Just like Judas Iscariot. God is aware of His promise to forgive our sins. God is aware of the promise to remember them no more when we repent. God is aware of the promise That he would give us the new covenant through his son, Jesus Christ. God is aware of all these things in our lives. And he reminds us of all these through the Holy Spirit who indwells us. So what does this all mean? right? It means that instead of wasting our energy and time, right? In emotions, listening to ourselves and kind of, kind of, kind of constantly feeling condemned and feeling guilty all the time, right? Channel, it means to channel our energy and our focus onto thanksgiving before God. Thanking the Lord for the work that His Son has done for us. To be reminded that yes, we fall, we stumble, we mess up, we sin, but don't live in that. Don't live in that uh, guilty feeling That's what enemy wants you to. He wants you to just stay feel guilty and then stop it there. But God calls us to be reminded of the gospel. Overcome that sense of condemnation for the liberating work that His Son has accomplished for us on the cross. Whatever the sins that we commit for those specific sins, that Christ went to the cross. For that, that... Young man, who forced her uh, his um, girlfriend to his girlfriend to, uh, you know, go through abortion. Even for that sin, Christ went to the cross for that. But for him, he just couldn't accept that. He felt so guilty and overwhelmed with sense of condemnation. They said, "No, that can't be right." He couldn't overcome the sense of condemnation. Jesus is our atoning sacrifice. So glorify Him. Worship Him. Serve Him. Romans 8-1 says, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation. Even though the enemy will constantly just whisper at our ears, no, you should feel condemned. You should feel ashamed of yourself. You should feel guilty all the time. That God cannot accept you the way you are. Right? He will do whatever it takes to take away, take us away from the love of Christ. But nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. He has already won the victory for us. And yet, we still try, we still strive to win the victory in our lives. I have to do something right, to earn salvation. But that's not the truth. To simply understand what Christ has done for us. And approach Him with Confidence. There are so many days that I don't feel like it. Even though I'm preaching like this, there are days when I feel like the only thing that that I'm reminded of is my sin before God. How, as a pastor, how could you do that? Why'd you do that? Right? There are days that I don't want to really approach God. I don't want to, but then I have to force myself. Once again, that's the enemy and it's my emotion telling me I shouldn't. But When I look at the scripture, That is totally outside of me tells me that there is a God who would receive me and love me unconditionally because of what his son has done on my behalf. So apart from my feelings and my emotions, I have to get to that. I have to once again come before him in in humility and thanksgiving. God, thank you. I don't feel like it. I feel condemned. I feel ashamed. I feel guilty the truth and the gospel tells me that I have been accepted he loves me not through my own merit but through the work of Jesus Christ I receive it I claim it by faith I have to do that just about every single day because I know myself I forget that all the time because I feel guilty all the time so it is my prayer for all of us as we start this new year to be reminded of the gospel. Preach it. Speak to yourself. Instead of listening to all these lies that the enemy whispers in our ears so that we would feel guilty and shameful and condemned all the time, get out of it right? and remind yourself. Preach the gospel to yourself daily. That's the only way we can really just guard this good deposit that has been entrusted to us. Let's pray.